Have you ever wondered what it's like to witness a murder? Forrest grabbed the knife and then just stabbed Johnny in one motion. Or how it feels to be shot. I was immediately hit by a barrage of bullets. Or how you would react if your spouse hired someone to kill you. And he was to put me in a grave with a bullet wound on my head. These are the stories you'll hear on the podcast called What Was That Like? True stories told by the actual person who went through it. You'll hear from a stalking victim. Came back upstairs and when I came back and turned the corner into my room, I saw him standing there. You'll hear from a man who was kidnapped and tortured. I would do anything, say anything, to simply get away. And you'll hear actual 911 calls. Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Real people in unreal situations. Search for What Was That Like on any podcast app or at whatwasthatlike.com. This summer, when you're on the go, stay connected to what matters most with access to over 3 million Cox Wi-Fi hotspots. Learn more at cox.com. Ask Ashley the Podcast is sponsored by Cox. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to Fruit Loop Season 2, Episode 22. Thank you so much for listening. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we don't hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are white dudes. There are many <laughs> well-documented cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because the news is racist, allegedly. <laughs> and we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, mm-hmm. the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294 and we may feature it on a future episode. 
Also, our website is Fruit Loops Pod. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod. And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. Mm-hmm. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app, which you can download to your phone or you can find online uh, cash.me slash dollar sign Fruit Loops Pod. Or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. We also have some merch. Uh, for sale on our website. And if you can't help monetarily, no problem. You can always give us a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And be sure to share our show with your friends. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Um, so who are we talking about today, Beth? Today we're talking about K.D. Kampama, who was India's first female convicted serial killer. Beginning in 1999, Kimpama killed six women over eight years. Ooh, can't wait. Uh, so, how you doing? Well, I could be better. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. So, the, the Mueller report is out, and mm-hmm. I'm a little depressed about mm-hmm. it. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like Trump can get away with literally anything. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Grime is a terrible feeling. Yeah. So, although the report says uh, that he is not been exonerated for obstruction of justice. Of course, Trump says he has been exonerated and Mm -hmm. his supporters will believe him. Mm -hmm. And Barr is probably going to block Congress and the public from seeing everything that's in it. So yeah, I have had to stop paying so much attention to the news this week. Uh And I haven't been this bummed out since the election. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, uh I I am uh, hearing this sentiment uh all over the place. The the guys at um Pod Save America, Pod Save the People. Um people have just mentioned how everybody's really looking forward to this Mueller report having some good news and everybody's really bummed out that it doesn't. But I'm 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 hopeful. I mean, um if this isn't the end, um, there's an election coming up, so I'm excited hearing um, what these new candidates out there have to say. Um, you know, so I know it really sucks, but there's, there's, yeah. I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to um, look at it. Um, I'm look, trying to look at it glass. Trying half to full. look on the bright side. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. And what's really frustrating is there's information in that report. That's mm-hmm. not going to be good for Trump, but mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to be able to see it. So that's really yeah. frustrating. Yeah, but it's not the end. So yeah. <laughs> hang in there. That's true. Hang in not there. Yet. Hang in there, everybody. <laughs> um, but again, I I know how you feel. I've put on ten to fifteen pounds, depending on the time of the month, uh, of what I call twenty sixteen election weight. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I have that too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's crazy. Uh, there uh, was a time. Um, remember the Obama years uh, in America oh, when yeah. the world seemed to be making progress and dreams progress, came true. Yeah. yeah. And now all I, I'm living in fear of microaggressions at work, um, burning crosses on my lawn and, you know, my black son getting shot by the police. My stress level is at an all time high. And even though, you know, I work out, um, I'm practicing as much self care, uh, eating delicious food and drinking delicious wine and spirits uh, has been the only thing getting me through. So cheers to 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now we are going to get into our mailbag and share some listener letters. 
Hello, angels. Hello, angels. Thanks for delivering the mail today. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so we got two new patrons, hey. Rondika and Nicole. Hey! Thank you so, so much for uh, becoming patrons. Yes. And yes. also shout out to our friend Carrie, who helped us do the research and write up this case. Yeah. Also, a correction... One of our new patrons last week that we gave a shout out to, we called her Kinsey, but her name is Kenise. So yes. uh, shout out to you, Kenise. Sorry about yes. that. Lo siento. Um, hip, but hip hop air horns to all of you. Thank you so, yes, yes. so much. Um, so as we said, lo siento, perdónanos about the pronunciation. Um DBIL7 on iTunes gave us five stars. So thank you. Um, and they said, uh, funny and great coverage of the crimes. We also got another five star review on iTunes from No Angel123. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, said, love you, ladies, and this podcast, Hip Hop Airhorn for you. All right. No, Hip Hop Airhorn for you. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, this one is called, uh, or titled Entertaining and Shockingly Good. And they gave us five stars. <laughs> so this person's name, I love it, is their, their <laughs> iTunes name is Seriously Who Stole My Name, said, <laughs> when I ran into this podcast, I was scared. So good. I love, love, love that they share stories that are never heard before. What's so unique is their manner. They tell these horrible, gruesome stories and murder and sicko people, but somehow still manage to laugh and make you smile while listening. It's a talent all in itself. Go run right. and listen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or one of those crazies that they talk about just may come up and pay you a visit. And if they do, please don't call me. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so hip hop airhorns to each and every one of you. Thanks for fucking with us and we love all of you. Um yes, and uh keep keep listening and reviewing us on iTunes because it really does help the show. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Now we are gonna take a quick break and get into the story when we come back. We would like to invite any listeners who have a business to advertise to do it with us. For more information, please email us at fruitloopspod at gmail.com or check out our website at fruitloopspod.com. All right, so we're back. So who are we talking about again today, Beth? Today we're talking about KD Kempama, and that's the letters K and D and then Kempama. But she was also known as Cyanide Malika, mm -hmm. and she's been called India's first female serial killer. She killed six women between 1999 and 2007. Well, I'm excited to get into it. Um, researching this case gave us an opportunity to sort of dive into Indian culture, um, the history of India a little bit. Um, so here we go. Now we are going to get into some stats. <laughs> All right. Uh, Katie Kampama, a.k.a. the agony aunt of death. Uh, an agony aunt in the UK means a person, usually a woman, who gives advice to people like uh, uh, with their personal problems, like a, a dear Abby. Um, in Sanskrit, Malika is a female name, which means Jasmine. And I found some other cool AKAs for her. Uh, she went by Lakshmi, um, Jayama, Savithrama, 
uh, Shiva Moga, Kempama, and Yashodama. And she was committing a lot of frauds. And um, like, so she was giving like landlords and places where she lived false names. Yeah. She first struck in 1999, but poisoned the majority of her victims between October and December of 2007. Poisonings are actually quite common in India's history. Didn't know that. Um, Kempama allegedly killed multiple women, but was convicted of killing six. Her crimes took place in temples near Bangalore, officially known as Bengaluru, uh, which is the capital city of the Indian state of Karnataka. She killed, again, six women from 99 to 2007. Um, she was apprehended on December 31st, 2007, and is serving a life sentence in prison. Um, so now we are going to dive into the setting. Take us there, Beth. All right. So the setting is India, which is officially known as the Republic of India and located in South Asia. It's the seventh largest country in the world. It is also the second most populated country in the world and is home to over 1.2 billion people. Wow. Bordering its southern border is the Indian Ocean, the Arabian Sea, and the Bay of Bengal. The country also shares its borders with Pakistan, China, Bhutan, Burma, Bangladesh, and Nepal. Its capital city is New Delhi, which has a population of 21.75 million. The two official languages of the country are Hindi and English, um, because it used to be a colony, um, but there is not a recognized national language. Um, the primary religion in India is Hinduism, but uh, four major religions also originated in that country. Hinduism, Buddhism, Jainism, and Sikhism. Uh, all began in India. Um, the country has 28 states and seven territories and is home to many different cultures and ethnic groups. Uh, the British ruled India from 1858 until 1947. So during that time, it was a British colony. Mm -hmm. Since gaining its independence from the United Kingdom, India has become an autonomous country. India is home to over one million millionaires. However, a large part of the country still lives on less than $2 a day. Yeah, and I was listening to a really interesting podcast today because I, I just wanted to know more about India. And these British journalists um, went through and interviewed British Indians who left, um, and I can't remember what the name of the event, but it was when India split um, and uh, divided off into Pakistan. And then mm -hmm. um, there was like this conflict between people who previously um got along you know very well and we're happy together um and i guess it, it, so it happened sometime in the 40s and i wish i could i feel like trash for not remembering what the name of that event was not like se not separation or there's there's a title for it in history do you want me to google it yeah can you yeah so it was just interesting um this this time period um and even to this day, it's still very um, traumatic for Pakistani and Indian people to um, even discuss or, or, or talk about um, because they witnessed um, uh, people they knew um, committing horrible crimes and lots of people died and people had to split up. Um, and, um, you know, it, it was just a really sounds it sounded like it's a really sad uh traumatizing time in that region's history. Um, and I mean, me being a Westerner, an American gal knew nothing about it. So, um, yeah, it? yes, it's, I think it's called the partition of India. 
Does yes, that sound right? That's what it was. Yes. So anywho, so that was kind of interesting yeah. to learn about. Yeah, I I never really knew a whole lot about that. I mean, I knew that they had separated, but I didn't know anything about when it happened or or how it happened. Yeah. Um, but it was recently part of a Doctor Who episode, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, no way. On Doctor Who, they, they can go through time and space. Um, so they end up landing um, in, I think it was India, mm-hmm. right when the partition of India was going on. And there's like families who are divided and fighting about what's happening. And it sounded mm-hmm. like it was really sad, like really bad time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sound fun. Yeah. It, no, <laughs> uh, no. And just uh, again, hearing um, the journalist describe people just um, just being really sad about even talking about it. Um, yeah. You know, it was just really uh, fascinating to me. So, um, and I didn't know that there was this conflict. So I, one of my favorite shows is um, the Patriot Act on um, Netflix with Hasan Minhaj. And mm-hmm. like leading up to his show coming out, he had one of the guys from Queer Eye, um, uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, or I think it's just called Queer Eye now. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the guy who does the styling is, uh, I think he's Indian and Hasan Minhaj is, is, Pakistani um, oh, okay. or of Pakistan descent. And he commented, isn't it crazy that we're like totally getting along right now? This is crazy. Our ancestors would think this is nuts. And I was like, oh, there was a conflict. So like, I like immediately started like researching, like, what does this mean? What are they talking yeah, about? Talking so about? I feel, <laughs> I, yeah, I feel ignorant, but thank goodness for this episode and for all the, all the like people in media now who are um, South Asian, who we get to see just be regular people. Um, when we didn't before all we had was a poo so yeah um, it's yeah. just really exciting to see Mindy <laughs> and Hassan and 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 everybody yeah. out here doing their thing Aziz you know yeah. uh, Hari Kondabalu <laughs> like all of them it's just really exciting so yeah anyway it is tangent <laughs> where are we oh yeah okay it has been predicted that India may surpass China in terms of population by the year 2030 India's government is a federal parliamentary constitutional republic they have a president a vice president Prime Minister, Speaker of the House, and Chief Justice. India is a thriving country and a major contributor to the international economy. Since gaining its independence, it has become a large international producer of many goods and services. The country is home to over 1 billion people, and it is home to a large diversity of cultures and religions. I would love to go there someday. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> we could do a live show. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what up, India? Fruit Loops. <laughs> Thanks for coming out tonight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is a long and storied history with regard to India. It's impossible for us to get into it all because the culture, place, and people have been through a lot. Um, through many, many moons and many suns. It's a very old yeah. um, part of the world. Um, but in this particular case, my impression was that there was a lot of fighting over again um what what we talked about what was the word was it partition partition of india partition of india um and i think um like in the piece i listened to today um uh uh, by that british journalist she was saying that it um this all occurred toward the end of the fall of the british empire in india right um so uh 
colonization made it worse. Um, and uh, again, we mentioned earlier that um, also my impression is that South Asians are poorly represented and understood here in the United States. Um, and they too are subject to um, racism. Um, and uh, so it just has been interesting to research this case and I'm excited we're talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I also <laughs> don't know a whole lot about India's history because um, there's a lot there. <laughs> it's yeah. ancient. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but I do love Indian food. I love the art and architecture. I love their accents. I find it musical. Uh-huh. I do too. And I love Preet Bharara. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> but uh, a lot of what I know about India is through the lens of British colonialism. I like mm-hmm. period pieces. And uh, a lot of them are about English people. And there are always references to India, men stationed in India, sometimes bringing their wives and children with them. I mm-hmm. I do know that there was a lot of racism during that time. Surprise! <laughs> uh, the English people often referred to the Indians as savages and st- stuff like that. Yeah, shocking. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um, but one of my favorite books when I was younger is called Passage to India by E.M. Forrester that uh, mm-hmm. confronts racism. It was written in the 20s, so you have to keep that in mind. But uh, I think it was pretty brave for its time, talking about racism. Oh, that's that's pretty dope. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, shout out to Forward Thinkers. Uh, is this E.M. Yeah. Forrester a white dude? Yeah, he's a white dude. Oh, well, that's <laughs> all cool. of the you know, all the classics cool. are, are are white dudes. <laughs> tell me, tell me about it. I never read one one book by a black author until I got to college, and I remember we. What is the movie with Atticus Finch and Scout? Oh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes. Okay. So the N word is repeated throughout the book, and yeah, before yeah. we read it, my teacher was like, "If you're uncomfortable while we're reading aloud, um." You know, you can go in another room or um, if you'd like, we could not say the word, but I just wanted you to know that the word is in there. And I know I know she was a, she was a very nice white lady. So I think she was trying to do the right thing, but it didn't help because every time that word was uttered, the N word was uttered. Everybody in the room would look at the one black person, i.e. me, oh for my, my reaction. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that's terrible. <laughs> It was awful. Uh, stuff like that is hard when you're a kid. Um, okay, I have a tangent. <laughs> okay, please do. Let's do it. So when I was in, I think it was seventh grade, we read a book about a kid with a brain tumor. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it was written by the parents and about how they dealt with it. Mm-hmm. But we were in seventh grade, so we had a really hard time dealing with it. And uh, oh. we were reading out loud in class. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how it started, but every time somebody would say brain tumor, we'd all stamp our feet. (laughs) What? Why? (laughs) I think it was the only way we could deal with it. (laughs) Like it it would make us laugh. (laughs) Who started this? You know, kids. I I don't remember. It might have been me. Uh, that's cr- that's wild. The te- do you remember how the teacher reacted? Like, or maybe even um, maybe we shouldn't read this book. Like, maybe y'all not ready. <laughs> yeah, maybe you kids are not ready for this. We kept reading it. I don't. I don't remember getting in trouble. It was a pretty good oh. class. The teacher was pretty uh, open minded, and mm. um, we got a lot of away with a lot of crap in that class. So <laughs> <laughs> it just popped into my mind. <laughs> 
That's so <laughs> like funny. some things when you're young is really just you don't even know what to do with your feelings. <laughs> you right. No right. So so those kids who were hearing the N word and knowing that there was a black person in the classroom, I don't know if they knew how to react either. So maybe they were looking at me to say to like, see, how, like, how I should I do? react? Yeah. What should I be doing here? Because <laughs> I think that would have freaked me out uh, being white and having to say the N word. I never say the N word. Never. <laughs> and that I don't know how I would have dealt with it. I probably wouldn't have said it. I probably would have just said the N word. Yeah, and if, you know what? I wouldn't have either. Yeah. But I grew up. Yeah. With, I grew up in a very I, I went to I didn't grow up. I went to high school. I'm from the Bay Area. I don't even claim Spokane. OK, so I went to high school there very white very very racist uh and that's why i haven't been back since so anyway um long tangent but oh boy racism it's just so american yeah but it's also it's also on the other side of the globe it's, it's very also, british, it's, also british. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a it's worldwide actually it's a, so it's um, a white person thing <laughs> yeah even in south america all over the world race racism mm, but it is familiar so i mean at least i know i know it when i see it <laughs> yeah yeah um anyway back to murder uh, did I sound like the dude from Dateline? Um, no. <laughs> Dang it. Dang it. I was really trying that time. Um, you sounded really well, scary. He doesn't sound as scary as that. Oh, he, he sounds more creepy I, than scary. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, I'll have to work on that impression. Anyway, uh, while serial killing is typically thought to be a Western phenomena in general and a U.S. problem in particular, one thing to point out is that India is no stranger to serial murder. In fact, Thug Bilram, member of the infamous Thugi cult in the early 1800s, was credited with personally strangling 125 men and witnessed the strangling of 150 more. That's wow. a lot of murders. Yeah, that's was lot. one of the most prolific serial killers who ever lived. Wow. Sounds have like you heard it. of that dude? I haven't. I haven't heard that one. We might have to cover him. <laughs> we might have to do that. <laughs> so unlike male serial killers who usually target unknown victims, female serial killers mostly kill people they are close to, particularly husbands or lovers, or they will first get close to people and then kill them. And they usually kill to improve their lifestyle. See, that's why women are smarter than men. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Just kidding. Just kidding. Their crimes are often more carefully thought out and planned. Mm. Female serial killers typically use quieter and less messy hoed methods to kill than their male counterparts. The methods they use for murder are usually more covert or low profile, such as murder by poisoning. But they are not unknown to you shooting, stabbing, suffocation, and drowning. So, you know, we out Yeah, you. they can do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Women can, anything you can do, I can do better. <laughs> I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. <laughs> no, no, you can. can. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> ah, female killers are frequently involved in theft, fraud, and embezzlement prior to becoming serial killers. They usually operate in a specific place that they know well, such as their home or a healthcare facility where they are employed. They rarely go trolling for victims out in the open like male serial killers do, but rather find victims in their family or workplace. So KD Kempama was a little different in this regard. Yeah, one notable exception to the typical 
characteristics of female serial killers is the notorious serial killer Eileen Wuornos. Hello. Uh, <laughs> she's very interesting, but everybody's already heard her case, so we're not going to talk about yeah. her. But um, she killed outdoors instead of at home, used a gun instead of poison, killed strangers instead of friends or family, and killed for personal gratification and vengeance. Eileen Warnos probably rose to infamy because she was atypical of female serial killers. And, you know, she's white. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but the lack of public awareness of female serial killers prior to Eileen Warnos was probably due to the absence of female serial killers in the media. So the media mm. is not only racist, but also sexist. Very sexist. They existed... But they were not labeled serial killers because their methods were different. Come on, profilers, do better. Um, so Eileen, Eileen Warnos is sometimes referred to as the first female serial killer, but she clearly was not. Um, there are lots and lots of documented cases of female serial killers prior to Warnos. Um, and shameless plug, check out our Clementine <laughs> Barnabet episodes uh, from season one, where we discuss the first African-American female serial killer in the United States. That we know of. That we know of. <laughs> right. Uh, so now we're going to get into the killer's early life. So what did we find? <laughs> Kempama was born in 1965, which is my birth year, Ooh. in a village along the outskirts of Bangalore called Kagalapura, which mm -hmm. is in the southern state of Karnataka, India. Within the country of India, Kagalapura is toward the mid-southern tip. Man. Okay. That was okay. hard to get through. Got the geography. You did it, though. You did the damn thing. Good job, Beth. Hey, hashtag be like Beth. Exhibit A. Uh, as, a young, as a young girl, uh, we don't know how young, she was married to a tailor named Devaraj, and the couple had three children, two daughters and a son. In India, 27% of girls are married before their 18th birthday, and 7% are married before the age of 15. Child marriage is more common among um, poorer households with many families carrying, marrying off their carrying off. <laughs> Bye. Uh, <laughs> with many families marrying off their daughters to reduce their perceived economic burden. Girls are also married off at a young age because less dowry is expected for younger brides. Some girls are even promised in marriage before they are born in order to secure their future. Once they reach puberty, guana or send-off ceremonies take place and they are sent to their husband's home to commence married life. Many families consider girls to be the pariyandan, someone else's wealth. This means that a girl's productive capacities benefit her marital family. Wow, that sounds like a machine. This is my daughter, and she has productive capacities. <laughs> yeah, she has a flex capacitor in her uterus. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> educating daughters is therefore seen as less of a priority than educating sons, who are responsible for taking care of biological parents in old age. Girls are often married off at puberty when they are deemed most productive and can take care of children and conduct housework. The labor of young brides is central to some rural economies. The practice of Adasada sees two extended families exchange girls through marriage, so neither family is worse off in terms of household labor. Um, by the way, uh, I just had to point out that um, India 
gave us the Kama Sutra. So thank That's you right. for that's right. Let's keep it spicy. <laughs> uh, there is generally a lower value attached to daughters, and girls are expected to be adaptable, docile, hardworking, and talented wives. Child marriages are sometimes used to control female sexuality, sanctify sex, and ensure reproduction. Modern India has committed to eliminate child, early, and forced marriage by 2030, and the median age for women entering into marriage in India these days is about 22. So things are getting better for women in India, but it's still a problem. Right. And we want to specify that marrying off underage girls without their consent is the problem. Um, One of my favorite comedians is Hari Kondabalu. And um, he put out a documentary in 2017 called The Problem with Apu. Have you heard of it? I have. I haven't watched it, though. I watched it today. It's very good. And um, uh, it it makes a lot of sense why there was a need for this documentary. Because all, all this time, for the past almost 30 years... The, the most famous um, South Asian character on TV has been Apu. The accent is ridiculous. Nobody, no, nobody talks like that. Um, and it's just, he, he's perpetuating all these terrible stereotypes about South Asian people. So Hari went on a mission to um, examine the Simpsons pro- problematic, uh, ignorant and racist depiction of Apu, um, the famous convenience store owner character. Anyway, I believe um, that Hari's parents are in an arranged marriage and are happy. And I've heard from people via interviews, TV shows, podcasts, um, who are either in an arranged marriage themselves or or familiar with one, um, who are happy and those marriages are successful. Um, So... um, I think uh, arranged marriages can work. It's not something we, you know, I, I yeah. do, but they, they, they can work and people can be happy. But what we're really yeah. um, giving a big middle finger to is child marriages child without marriage. their yeah. consent. Yeah. Yeah. And also young, just younger, younger women uh, getting married. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, we'll get into that later. But uh, I did want to say, <laughs> <laughs> I did want to say that, um, I know some people actually prefer to have an arranged marriage because there's less pressure that and their parents are the ones looking for their um, spouse and Mm -hmm. they have their best interests in mind and Mm -hmm. they probably have better taste. I mean, I have terrible (laughs) taste. I wish somebody would pick a husband for me. (laughs) Arrange my marriage, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard that perspective and, and, and after hearing it thought, Oh man, that would have saved me so much trouble in my so much late time, teens yeah. and early twenties. <laughs> <laughs> so back to the story. So, um, Kampama's husband uh, left her in 1998 after her chit fund business failed. Um, in India, a chit fund is a type of rotating savings and credit association system where a group of ind- individuals agree to pool their money to save and borrow together for a fixed amount of time. Chit funds were common and popular in India at the time. Everyone in the chit fund uh, contributes to it in monthly installments, and then the money is invested. The members in the chit fund are able to borrow from it during that time. 
But say that you borrow money from it at the beginning, you have money and there's little incentive to keep paying into it if you're a shitty person. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) The person running the chit fund is supposed to do a sort of credit check before allowing uh, people into it, but that's not foolproof. And it's Mm -hmm. my understanding that it was Kimpama who was running the chit fund and she ended up in debt after the fund fell apart. But we don't have specifics on exactly what happened. And in some articles, uh, they said it was a scam. So maybe she was running a scam. I don't really know. Mm, Maybe one of her her AKAs should be a scam queen. Yeah. (laughs) Scam cyanide queen. Um, As we mentioned, Kempama's husband left her. In some reports, it said that he threw her out of the house. So we don't know the exact details on their split either. Um, or if she had her children with her or if they stayed with their husband. But in any case, she began working odd jobs uh, to make ends meet, including becoming a domestic worker and a goldsmith's assistant on the outskirts of Bangalore. It has been reported that she often stole from the houses in which she worked. So now we're going to dive into the timeline. Splish, splash. (laughs) Kimpama hung around the temples in Bangalore and posed as a religious woman who is skilled in pujas and religious rituals. A puja is an act of showing reverence to a God spirit or another aspect of the divine through invocations, prayers, songs, and rituals. She would find women praying for medical cures or other problems at home um, and then convince them that she could help them. Kimpama picked up her victims from uh, among female devotees. She would then befriend the devotees who she perceived as wealthy. She would gain their confidence by recommending rituals to overcome their problems. She would say that a particular ritual should be done by her at a particular temple that was on the outskirts of town and far from the victim's home. Of course. Of course. Don't let them take you to that second location, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Before the rituals, she would give them various instructions for things to do first, one of which was always to wear their finest jewelry in order to please the gods. Kempama had access to a small stash of cyanide, which she had obtained while working for the goldsmith. As a poison, cyanide prevents the cells from receiving oxygen, and the victim turns blue and is dead within five to ten minutes. I shouldn't laugh, but there was on on the news a few Uh years ago. I'm not supposed to be laughing because it's not a happy story, and it's, it's awful. But it was this, like, rich white business guy who <laughs> he committed all these crimes and then he 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 got sentenced to like a bunch of years in prison and he uh he like stood up and he was still in handcuffs and he like it looked like he was rubbing his lips but he put a cyanide pill in his mouth oh yeah and yeah. wasn't do you remember in that? the courtroom yeah it was in, in the, courtroom. the courtroom and he died bro on tv it was yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I just and, and I I've I've heard of like 
soldiers or people are like criminals, like hiding. We've done a story about a dude who had a cyanide pill, like sewed into his jacket. Sewn into his clothes. Um, Yeah. And and spies are, you know, that's like a movie thing too. I don't know if they actually did it or not, but uh, they would keep cyanide on them so that if they got caught, they would just kill themselves. Yeah. It seems crazy to me. I don't want that job. No, thanks. It seems crazy. (laughs) And where do they, where do they get this stuff? I mean, I thought, I don't know. It, it, in in my mind, it seems like cyanide poisoning. Today's episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. It was a night like any other. We just finished a live show of the podcast at Madison Square Garden. It was <laughs> nice to see Megan and Harry. You know, so nice of them to come. And then we told the pilot, hey, gas up the PJ. We out of here. Wait, gas up the PJ? Megan and Harry? <laughs> Just go with it, okay? Okay, okay. So, Wendy, we gassed up the PJ, and then what? Well, <laughs> while we were on the PJ, that's private jet for regular folks. I was wondering. We, <laughs> we were up in the clouds, scoring some quality time with Best Fiends. It was incredible. And the good news is, I'm on level 393. Right on. <laughs> yes, it sounds incredible. But if mm-hmm. your head's in the clouds like Wendy, in an imaginary <laughs> private jet with Megan and Harry, or your feet are firmly planted on the ground at work or in line at the grocery store. One thing is true. Best Fiends is just plain fun. Mm, It is true. Now, Best Fiends is a free to download mobile puzzle game with thousands of exciting levels for new adventures and challenges every time you play. There are dozens of unique fiends to collect so you can customize your team of fiends to defeat the menacing slugs. I'm sorry. I was just looking at this funny text from Harry. Anyway, power up your favorite fiends to new levels for even more powerful skills and watch them transform as they get stronger. With offline play, Wendy's favorite, you'll Mm -hmm. never be stranded without fun, even if you lose your internet connection download your favorite getaway best fiends for free today on the app store or google play you'll even get five dollars worth of in-game rewards when you reach level five that's friends without the r best fiends now a word from our sponsor BetterHelp. how we care for our minds affects how we experience life so it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy there are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain like learning a new language or taking power naps but there's also better help online therapy now we are huge advocates for mental health here at Fruit oh, yeah. hq oh yes and we have both used therapy throughout our lives including better help and especially in these past several years to help us deal with challenging times mm-hmm. challenging thoughts feelings and experiences. Amen. Yes. And uh, now I had a recent, you know, conversation with my therapist. She was saying sometimes it's just good to talk and get some perspective. You don't have to go to a therapist just because stuff is wrong. So Right, right. And BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And some people get really anxious about that. So Oh, yes. And it is much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash fruit. That's better H-E-L-P.com slash fruit. Is it's it's like it's ready, it's more it's readily available. Like people have access to it, but where are they getting it from? I'm just asking for a friend. Well, she got it from the goldsmith, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would guess, like, somebody in the uh, CIA or something like that, I don't know, they would probably get it from the government, you know? Right, uh, right. A spy. a spy would get it from the government. Yeah. yeah. It just seems, to me, cyanide poisoning seems more common than 
than I think we think. And it, it might be because it's on movies a lot too, movies and TV. So. Yeah, I don't think it's too common. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't really know. Yeah. Okay. I don't either. But you don't hear about it so often. The poisoning method that I hear about a lot is antifreeze. Excuse me? Antifreeze. Like drinking antifreeze? Yeah, yeah. Antifreeze, I I think they actually put something in it now so that it's not sweet anymore, but it used to be sweet. (gasps) So they would put it in like uh, Gatorade or something like that and and you couldn't taste it. And a lot of women killed their husbands with antifreeze. No. And it also, it's not really detectable unless you're looking for it. It's not one of the poisons that they would look for. They would know. Oh my God. Although now, nowadays they probably do look for it, but when Mm -hmm. it was like in the heyday of antifreeze poisoning, (laughs) (laughs) they weren't looking for it. Yeah. It had a heyday. (laughs) Think of all those people who, you know, like died of, of unknown causes and it was antifreeze this whole time. Antifreeze. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. But don't do that. I'm, oh no, 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 no. No, <laughs> I don't even know. I wouldn't even know which of these. I'm in my garage, garage studios, and there's all these like jars of chemicals. My husband is very bad at labeling things. I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> I don't know which one is antifreeze. <laughs> so anyway, Kempama uh, used cyanide to poison her victims by putting it in water, which she told them was holy water, or in a prasad, which is a type of consecrated food that is eaten after a ritual. Other reports say that she also would pour cyanide powder out of a vial and force open the victim's mouth, often by pulling their hair. In any case, after the victim died, Kadama would take their jewelry, money, and cell phones. In all the cases, neither the husbands nor any of the family members knew about the victims going with her. On October 19, 1999, Kempama lured her first victim, a 30-year-old woman named Mamatha Rajan, who was praying near the outskirts of Bangalore. This would be the first of her poisonings, and it would be another eight years before her next documented attack. In 2001, she was arrested by the Bidadi police while trying to rob jewels from a house where she was performing a ritual. She was sentenced to six months imprisonment and was released after her term. So I don't know um, why she didn't murder for eight years. I don't know if she changed tactics after her Mm -hmm. first murder, switching to robbing homes during rituals or if she did murder some people. I I don't know. But it, it was eight years later. Uh, when uh-huh. she went back to her old ways in November of 2007, and she murdered her second documented victim, Elizabeth, who was 52 and from Satanur. Elizabeth was praying to find her missing granddaughter. Kempama lured her to the Kabalama temple and killed her. Isn't that sad that that um, Elizabeth's family lost a child and, and then also lost Elizabeth? Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. 
Unfortunately, we don't know a lot about these victims, including their full names, um, as there's very little information out, out there about them. Kimpama's third victim was Yashodama, age 60. She was killed in Sitagana Mutt, Kayata Sandra, in December 2007. Oh my God, please forgive me for the pronunciation. Um, <laughs> Kimpama promised to perform a ritual to offer her relief for asthma. The fourth victim was 60-year-old Muniyama, who wanted to become a singer of devotional songs. She was from Yelahanka and killed at Yadya... <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> Yadiyur? Yadiyur Sidon Geshwar. Yes. Temple. Temple. We are, we are doing our best. And you know what? You guys can get at us. Remember when we said Rhonda's name wrong? And she sent us a video telling yeah, us how, of to how, to, it. how to say it. But, yeah. Yeah. We're yep. doing our best. But do if, if we if are really to. butchering this, pop in a little video on our know. discussion group. Let us know. Yeah. yeah. Um, her fifth victim was P. Lama, uh, age 60, and killed at Madur Viadiana Tapura. P. Lama was a temple priest, a priestess, no, at a Hebel temple. Kempama told Palama that she would sponsor a new arch for the Hebel temple. On December 18th, 2007, Kempama's last victim was Nagaveni, a 30 year old woman from. Ala Lasandra near Yalahanka, Newtown. Nagaveni mm-hmm. was praying to become pregnant as she was childless and she wished to have a son. Kempama told Nagaveni that she would perform a special puja to help her. She took her to a temple in Dadabalapur and killed her. Kempama then took her belongings and escaped. Nagaveni was found dead in the temple in Dadabalapur. It was her disappearance and death that led the police to open an investigation to hunt the mystery temple killer. I wonder why it took so long, if it had to do with her age. Um, aside from the earlier victim, Mamatha Rajan, she was younger than the um, other victims. But I mean, yeah. I hate to go there, but I I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they were women. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. But also, maybe the older women were not as valued as the younger ones. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. And if you know, if you have any insight on that aspect of Indian culture, please let us know. Let um, us know. Because we don't. (laughs) But we want to. Yes. So now we are going to get into the investigation. So hit it, Beth. (laughs) (laughs) So going back in time. (laughs) 2006. That's, that's 2006. What it, <laughs> 50 Cent was popular. Go shawty. It's your birthday. We're going to have a, like it's your birthday. We're going to sip a party like it's your birthday. And you know, we don't give up because it's your birthday. So that's what I remember from. From 2006. Okay, so on December 7th, 2006, 22-year-old Renuka went missing. Renuka was staying with her sister Mani at Mani's house, while Renuka's husband was away working in Dubai. Mani worked as a domestic worker in a house where Kimpama worked as a cook. Kempama visited Mani's house often and befriended Renuka. Kempama told Renuka that she could give birth to a male baby if Kempama conducted a special ritual at the temple. Renuka then went missing. When he came back from Dubai, Renuka's husband, Shankar, filed a complaint at Miko Layout Police Station on December 29, 2006. 
2000, 2006, uh, in the same, <laughs> talking like my grandma now, 2000, uh, in the same month, Chintamani police registered a case after they found a woman's body at the Kaiwara Yoji Narayan ashram guest house in uh, Kolar. The case was closed as there were no leads. But after seeing Renuka's photograph in media reports, Chintamani police informed their city counterparts. The guest house authorities recognized Kempama, who was registered there as Jayama. We're not sure when this happened, but if I were to guess, it was probably around the time that the police opened the investigation into the murder of Nagavani. Renuka was also very young. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Police inspector S.K. Umesh, who has been credited with solving the case, has said, I collected information about missing persons and murders in and around Bangalore. I noticed that they were all killed by the same modus operandi. Good police work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're going to get into the arrest and trial. Take it away, Beth. <laughs> On December 31st, 2007, the police arrested Kempama, who was loitering near the Bangalore Interstate Bus Terminus, selling secondhand cell phones. The police had received an anonymous tip-off that she was there. It's unclear what the tip-off was, if the police were looking for her or what, but when she was picked up, she had money and valuables from some of her victims on her. And during an interrogation, Kimpama revealed details of the murders she had committed and reportedly told the police that she was involved in other similar killings. Whoa! And five cases of missing persons were also associated with Kimpama in 2009. Two of these five women's bodies were found and subsequently linked to Kempama. Kempama was convicted of multiple murders in separate trials. In 2010, she was given a death sentence for the murder of Muniyama. And in 2012, she was given another death sentence for the murder of Nagaveni. During the trial, the police ruled out any psychopathic tendencies on her part and alleged she committed the murder solely for robbery. I don't know how they would know that, but there you go. Um, yeah, and another thing I, uh, we didn't we didn't get into was I am kind of curious now that we're talking about the trial, what their um, legal system is like. Like, um, did she have to pay for a lawyer? Does she get a free one from you know from the court? Uh, are there judges? Are there juries? How many jurors? Like, so I'm kind of curious about are they all that considered stuff. innocent until proven guilty? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. I mean, they were a British colony, so I, I imagine it sort of mirrors probably um, England. But yeah. Sorry. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> so where are they now? Okay, I'll tell you. Um, Kempama was the first woman to be given the death penalty in Karnataka. But on August 2nd, 2012, the Karnataka High Court reduced the death sentences to life imprisonment. In 2017, Kimpama was in the news again for being the jail neighbor of V.K. Sasikala, a famous Indian politician and businesswoman who was in jail for a scam. Reportedly, while Sasakala was there, Kimpama asked to meet her repeatedly. After this, Kimpama was moved to another jail, supposedly because she posed a threat to Sasakala's life. Um, that makes total sense. 
that yeah. that was a good move by President. <laughs> I mean, based on based on my neighbor's history, I don't feel <laughs> safe in this cell next to her. So if if we could do something about that, we that'd be just, great. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And then give me those TPS reports. Anyway, um, however, <laughs> others said that the two were friendly and that Kempama would even bring Sasakala's food to her during mealtimes. Oh, 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 nope. Red flag. Uh, as, as Kempama did not want her to have to wait in line for food. I don't know about you, but I would not take food from that lady. <laughs> nope. I am so sorry. Not for nope. a second. Nope, 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 nope. I am sorry. I will starve. Bye. <laughs> so uh, this is what we know about her children. Uh, in 2008, one daughter had received a diploma in fashion design, while another daughter was an MA student and her son was a car driver. Um, that was, you know, 11 years ago. We don't know what they're doing now, but that's what they were doing then. And mm-hmm. uh, there's an Indian movie under production called Cyanide Malika. It looks like Ooh. a horror film. Wow, that sounds exciting. Um, By the way, shout out to her kids for still making it through, even though their um, mom was involved in some uh some stuff terrible crimes <laughs> some stuff. Uh, but for them for them being six you know for, for them making it pulling it together yeah, it sounds, and like, it sounds together. like they're they're doing really well so good for yeah, them yeah and also shout out to hollywood for uh well is this a bollywood film i'm, I'm wondering if it, i if, think if it's we'll, an we'll i think it's it an indian movie yeah i don't i don't know if we'll get it here although Uh um there was an indian movie and i can't remember what the name of it was uh uh i keep thinking boogaloo but it was it sounded something like that (laughs) okay what was what was it about well uh my sister asked the people who were going to the movie uh what it was about and they said it was kind of like an indian game of thrones and there was like a part one and a part two and uh, oh. she, the place that where she works, she works for a science center, and they have one oh. of those big IMAX screens. And so they were showing uh-huh. the part two on the IMAX screen, and uh, she said just th- the Indian people were just going nuts. That they just like they all wanted to go, and they were so excited about it. And oh um, yeah, well, representation is more important than I think people realize like Beth yeah you have seen um w- women in in film who are the, the the love leads the superhero um the you know and I haven't <laughs> until Black right. Panther I haven't and so um and and I understand especially after watching Hari Kondabalu's documentary that um espe- like especially South Asians like they're not represented anywhere so when they have the opportunity to see themselves on film or on screen or in music they're going to jump at they're it even, go, even yeah. if it's not good even if it's not yeah. good the fact that i can see what's possible that i finally get to see myself represented not being a terrorist not being a cab driver, right? You know what I mean. Right. Just, just being a regular person is really important. Um, and I just think Holly- Hollywood is so stupid. <laughs> Hollywood yeah. uh, gets it wrong so many times. But you know when they get it right is when they have a diverse set of voices in the writers' room on the production staff, um, behind the camera, and 
and a little bit in front of the camera, but behind the camera, making the decisions, that's, that's how we, that's how we change things. And that's sort of actually what happened, um, in like in America when we had slavery and then we had reconstruction, a bunch of black people were put into elected office and things were marvelous, not marvelous, but things were instantly better because there were people with different perspectives making these really important decisions. But then right. the KKK right. didn't like it. And so it, it got real. It, it, it didn't last very, very long, but it was probably the most progressive part of American history ever. Uh, even, <laughs> even compared to 2019. So anyway, all I'm saying is representation is important and there's a lot of really awesome reasons why. So yeah, yeah that's good cool point. that your sister like noticed um, oh yeah that, yeah about the crowd. I uh, yeah. yeah and I apologize that I can't remember the name of the the movie it it, uh, it did start with a b okay. but I can't remember it was in okay. a different language so I don't know <laughs> and it was in Canada right yes it was in Canada um, also I must say that your sister's life sounds so fun can I have it? <laughs> like, it just sounds like she's just really living her best life. Yeah, like, does I she know. even have any worries? Does she even have yeah, any problems? We all, we all have problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she lives in, you know, uh, Canada. It gets really cold in the winter. <laughs> oh, you know what? All right. I forgot about that part. <laughs> yeah. It's dark really early in the winter. Part. So that she has a hard time with the winter there understandably um, so yeah yeah and, yeah. and driving in the snow mm-hmm. and stuff like that but uh yeah she's got a pretty good life man oh man when i <laughs> lord make me into a bird so that i could fly far 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 away from here and come back as that sister <laughs> So now we're going to get into what we believe made this killer snap. So hit it, Beth. (laughs) Five, six, seven, eight. (laughs) So uh, Kempama was poor. Uh, Her husband left her and she was either raising three kids on her own or she was thrown out into the streets. Either way, you know sucked (laughs) not good yeah she herself said that she wanted a better life and uh material wealth um and i don't know if that's i don't know if she she said she wanted to be wealthy or or what um but Mm -hmm. she clearly needed more money i read that she was married as a young girl i don't know how young she was But it's Mm -hmm. my personal opinion that when women marry and have children at a very young age, Mm -hmm. before they even know who they are, they become psychologically stunted. Ooh, that's a hot take. (laughs) It's really hard to find (laughs) yourself when you're uh, busy raising a family and working all the time. And if you get married at 14 or something, you know, you Mm -hmm. you don't Mm -hmm. even know what's going on. Right, right. And I I don't know how it is in India, but in the U.S., we see images of wealth everywhere. And when you're poor, you're devalued and and people with Mm -hmm. money are held up in high regard. Um, So Mm -hmm. I don't think it's as simple as being greedy. Like all the articles I read um, made it sound like she was doing these things because she was so damn greedy. But I I, I don't think it's as simple as that. I agree with you. 
And if you have very little self-worth to begin with and you're psychologically stunted, having money uh, might be seen as something that will give you self-worth. So, yeah. And to your point, um, the the sources did describe her as kind of like like she was doing this for greed. But right. um, my impression was she was essentially like just trying to survive. Right. Um, and That's, there's no greed. There's too. no greed in survival. Yeah. Um, right. It's just let's just let's just see if we can secure this bag and make it through. You know. Um, right. I uh, found something interesting. Uh, female Indian criminals are rare in general, according to uh, a psychiatrist named Dr. Rajni. Um, he said there are only um, 150 females in a, a prison population of 4,800 um, at this uh, central prison in Parapana Agrahara. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and Dr. Rajni made a point um, that most of the women in India who committed murder were married before the age of 18. Yeah. Fortunately, this risk factor, if it is one, was uh, declined by almost 50 in the past seven years. So it's uh, getting better. We mentioned that earlier. And we don't know um, anything about her upbringing or her childhood. But as I said, if she got into debt, lost her family, saw she must have seen theft and murder as a means to survive. And there's no, I, I don't think people trying to survive can also be in the same Today's episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. It was a night like any other. We just finished a live show of the podcast at Madison Square Garden. It was <laughs> nice to see Megan and Harry. You know, so nice of them to come. And then we told the pilot, hey, gas up the PJ. We out of here. Wait, gas up the PJ? Megan and Harry? <laughs> Just go with it, okay? Okay, okay. So, Wendy, we gassed up the PJ, and then what? Well, <laughs> while we were on the PJ, that's private jet for regular folks. I was wondering. We, we were up in the clouds, scoring some quality time with Best Fiends. It was incredible. And the good news is, I'm on level 393. Right on. <laughs> yes, it sounds incredible. But if mm -hmm. your head's in the clouds like Wendy, in an imaginary <laughs> private jet with Megan and Harry, or your feet are firmly planted on the ground at work or in line at the grocery store. One thing is true. Best Fiends is just plain fun. Mm, it is true. Now, Best Fiends is a free-to-download mobile puzzle game with thousands of exciting levels for new adventures and challenges every time you play. There are dozens of unique fiends to collect, so you can customize your team of fiends to defeat the menacing slugs. I'm sorry, I was just looking at this funny text from Harry. Anyway, power up your favorite fiends to new levels for even more powerful skills and watch them transform as they get stronger. With offline play, Wendy's favorite, you'll mm -hmm. never be stranded without fun, even if you lose your internet connection. Download your favorite getaway, Best Fiends, for free today on the App Store or Google Play. You'll even get $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Bucket as people who are greedy because it's not right. the same thing. It's not the same. Um, yeah. So things must have been pretty bad for her to for her to do those things. So Yeah, that's really interesting what you said about uh, Dr. Rajani said about uh, most of the women in India commit murder mm -hmm. were married before the age 18. Um, Crazy. I've always, yeah. I've always uh, felt like um, women who are girls who get married or, or have children when they're really young uh, really mm -hmm. fucks them up. Uh, honest to God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you, um, I mean, I think you characterized it very well. Stunts their, yeah. stunts the stunts, growth of their psychologically identity. Stunts, they don't know who yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So anyway, so 
Now we are going to get into our takeaways. So here's what I've got for you. Normally, the lady killers, especially the ones we've covered who are POCs, are painted as witches or sex crazy, money hungry. And uh, she was determined by authorities not to be a psychopath. And um, she was a witch, but she was, I mean, committing the most committing fraud, basically. Like, I don't even know if she really knew what those rituals were that she was telling these bros to, to like be a part of, that she really knew what she was talking about. She was just. A, a scammer basically right, um right. and the sources um didn't seem to paint her as like a sex crazy witch um she again just needed needed that money um she was just <laughs> trying to survive so that's what i take away yeah. from this she was trying to survive yeah. and maybe didn't go about it in the best way yeah i agree i think she was just trying to survive i i don't know exactly why she started resorting to murder it may have been easier than scamming people out of their valuables like uh some fortune mm-hmm. tellers will do sometimes you mm-hmm. know telling uh you know if you bring me this amount of money then you know your fortunes will <laughs> i don't know i don't know what they do oh. but, <laughs> but it does That's happen right. oh. you know they go into these uh elaborate scams where they get uh-huh. people to to do things for them and uh anyway it also probably seemed easier than robbing them uh which she would probably see as more risky in terms of getting mm-hmm. arrested you know if you rob somebody right, and they see right. you then you risk getting arrested um right, but in any right. case uh this story is pretty sad all the way around and uh mm-hmm. To all the female listeners out there, don't allow money, society, or a man to define who you are. Woo! That's a word. Okay. <laughs> if I can get my hip hop air horn to work. Okay. Woo! Thank you for feeding us, uh, Beth. My my spirit has been fed, and uh, I'm very appreciative. <clears throat> so now we are gonna get into how not to get murdered. So. <clears throat> If you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. (laughs) (laughs) This segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. But in my mind, this is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's mistakes. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. Okay, so just sort of in line with today's episode, uh, I read that uh, 0.4% of men kill with poison as as opposed to poison. 67, <laughs> 67% of men who killed with guns and 2.5% of women kill with poison as a poison. Oh my God, what is wrong with me? As opposed to 39% with a gun from 1999 to 2012. Um, so call poison control if you think you or someone around you may have been poisoned. Uh, that includes roofies. That includes uh, Tide Pods, uh, any, any, anything. Um, uh, the phone number for poison control is 1-800-222-1222. Um, also don't leave your drinks unattended and don't drink something from someone if you don't know them uh, or you haven't seen them prepare it and be very cautious of somebody who claims they can solve all of your problems with a quick fix or a quick ritual. And, um, don't go alone somewhere with someone that you do not know. So that's what I got. Tips. (laughs) 
I like it. So now we're going to get into some serial killer and true crime news. Basically, any news um, by people of color, LGBTQ, any minorities, including women. So uh, shout out to ATL. Peace up, A-Town down. They are reopening the investigation into the Atlanta child murders. I think the podcast Atlanta Monster and that documentary Atlanta Child Murders. Did you watch that on ID? I haven't watched it yet. No. Oh, it's gut-wrenching because they, um, you, as opposed to the podcast, you're listening. But uh, with the show, you're seeing, seeing the moms the and children, the siblings' yeah. reactions. And oh my god, I I couldn't I couldn't watch it in one sitting. I think there's four parts, and um, it took me uh, several days to get through it. Um, but it was on a, I, the ID channel, um, and I think that those um, oh man, we love podcasting. But I think I think those two um, items that were released had a lot to do with why people were reinterested in this case. So the black female mayor of Atlanta um, announced this week that the case is reopening. Um, wow. So that's really exciting. That's yeah. Um, and now they can, you know, look into the DNA and they can look into DNA and, yeah. uh, you know, maybe we'll get somewhere. Cause again, with the Atlanta murders case, um, Wayne Williams was only tried and convicted for the adults murders. Right. Nobody right. has seen justice for the 29 little black the children. Kids. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, we also got a request from our Facebook discussion group from Savannah to mention Tamon Blair, a 21 year old black man from Charlotte, North Carolina was found hung to death inside of his trailer. Um, while working on the road and preparing for the arrival of his child in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Officials have ruled his death a suicide uh, by asphyxiation, by, but many believe he was lynched. Lynching is an ugly part of American history and unfortunately uh, a, a part of American present. Um, the news isn't reporting the story, but luckily it's uh, staying relevant due to social media. So thanks to um, yeah. our buddy on Facebook, who um, asked us to shout that out. So anyway, uh, there's been no news coverage, as we said, but um, that's because the news is racist and everybody who listens to Fruit Loops knows that. So um, <laughs> we'll share a link to the news story uh, so you guys can uh, check it out. Um, so All now right. we're going to get into the shout out portion of our show um, where we shout out any uh, content by people of color, about people of color, or any true crime goodies. So, whew. Man, I have said a mouthful, uh, but I'm going to keep talking. <laughs> keep going, keep going. <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier, the problem with Apu, please check it out. You can only get it on Voodoo, I think it is. Um, and it's five bucks, but it's 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 worth every penny. And um, it's a really good watch. Also, the Netflix show. So Larry Charles, the guy who's famous from like being a part of the writing team on Seinfeld. Um, and he's a really you know, he's been writing comedy and, and stuff for, for decades. Um, but on Netflix, he has a, a special called Dangerous World of Comedy. Part one is about war, the survivors. Part two is about war, the soldiers. Part three is about race. And part four is about gender. It's an excellent examination of comedy in war-torn countries from the survivors and the war criminals' perspectives. And he inter interviewed an African warlord named General Butt Naked. <laughs> and it's because... <laughs> Like right before like battle, he would just like take off his clothes and like start killing people with a machete, oh butt naked. Um, Jesus so that's Christ. how he got 
the nickname. Yeah, it's wild. But uh, so he killed, uh, he ate, and he tortured kids. But Holy he's reformed shit. now, so now he's nice. Oh my God. Yes. But oh, he talked about how funny it was to him to do those things. Um, that it was it was comical at the time in his mind. Jesus Christ! It's like a guilty pleasure. It's like heavy, but it's also like I know I shouldn't be laughing at this, but they're laughing on the on the screen, so I guess I'm gonna laugh. He also <laughs> interviewed former ice and uh, former ISIS fighters, um, and he asked the ISIS fighter, "Hey, were there any funny moments while you were out being, you know, like a terrorist and stuff?" And the dude was like, "They would, they would, they would strap." people's bodies to the back of trucks and like ride around and the bodies would be like bouncing up and down and the dude and the dudes involved were laughing their asses off at at the bouncing of these bodies so it was fascinating but it's another look into the world of comedy and a truly truly global perspective i mean there's also women women um in africa uh in one of the african countries that he visited who are who are stand-up comedians and their lives are threatened their families have been killed but they're still out here doing comedy so wow yeah um also uh uh, something to light something light and fun because there's a lot of heaviness these days <laughs> yeah uh, turn up charlie with idris elba and he plays this dj there's great music there's a cute kid there's partying there's islands um <laughs> it was just it was just like it was just one of those things that i just sat and put my feet up and watched and enjoyed um it's on netflix um again this week has been um heavy and this is just a nice bit of fun so i wanted to recommend turn up charlie on netflix yeah i have to turn up charlie in my queue i need to watch it <laughs> you do need to watch you do yeah. immediately 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 like <laughs> as soon as we turn this off like as soon as we're it. done here yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the the show i'm gonna shout out is the uh, the root of evil podcast it's really good it's about a woman who was adopted by a black family because her mom was white and she was told that her father was black So the mother, uh, who was 15 when the girl was born, couldn't raise her Mm -hmm. and her family was wealthy and well-known and they didn't want a biracial kid. Um, As an Mm. adult, the adopted woman wants to find out more about her bio family. And then some crazy ass shit gets shaked out of the tree. (laughs) You won't (laughs) believe it. (laughs) Some really crazy ass shit. So... TNT made a TV series out of it called I Am the Night, but it is very, very loosely based on the true story. It's entertaining, but it veers wildly from the truth. I don't know why they did that, because the actual story is pretty damn crazy. So I recommend uh, listening to the Root of Evil podcast. Thank you. I'm glad I'm glad you shouted that out, because I started with the show and I right. I couldn't get past the first episode. Like, um, and so I I I would like to listen to the root of evil. I just subscribed on Himalaya, which is a new podcast app, by the way. And and oh. when um Himalaya gets their shit together and um, gets back to my email, we will be on Himalaya as well. All right, right. <laughs> but on. it's kind of cool because you can you can um it's like uh, Podbean. You can donate to the show directly. Um, oh, cool. So. Yeah, just like a quick donation, kind of like so. It's kind of like combining Podbean patrons with Cash App, so you can Cash App, like, oh, um, nice. you don't, yeah, so you don't have to subscribe um, to or you commit to a donate. monthly donation. Right, you can just right. donate 
today I feel like donating. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, right. so we are on there. You can find uh, Fruit Loops on Himalaya, which is actually, as far as I'm concerned, the best podcast app I've seen so oh, far. Wow. They're not a sponsor, but I, I really like it. Yeah. I really yeah. like it. Um, so uh, where can the people find us, Beth? Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod, And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod, And links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app, which you can download to your phone or you can find online at cash.me forward slash dollar sign Fruit Loops Pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help. Yeah, that's right. Um, so this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, guys. It's crazy out there. Talk to Bambi. So one of our employees just reported sexual harassment, and I don't even have a policy on how to deal with this. What do I do? Talk to Bambi. One of our people never shows up when they're supposed to. What are my options? Talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. HR managers can easily cost eighty grand a year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Start your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash assistant right now. Spelled Bam B-E-E dot com slash assistant. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins. Convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6000 cash, give us each 3000 we give you this. Uh-huh. You go home, and what you find out is cut-up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, And that's what Scams and Cons is all about. 
Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.